Welcome to the Performance Health Podcast. My name is Tim Karen. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the endocrine system practical. We're going to go through feedback loops and how we want to set the foundation with good lifestyle and habits before we get into the higher level structures of adjusting calories or macronutrients or even supplements. The foundation being let's have at least the right momentum with our feedback loops in a positive manner towards whatever goal of gaining or losing weight before we start to get into how do we adjust these feedback loops on the back end. It's gonna be a really good module for anyone interested in learning how to help someone lose weight, gain weight, and getting the foundations of that before we get into any kind of particulars on calories or macronutrients. If we can understand this, we can do whatever we want later. So get this foundation in and then building out a lot harder, more complex things to help our clients and athletes achieve what they want from body compositional perspective. We have strength deficit available for order now. So if you missed the pre-order window, uh, sorry, but this is gonna be your go-to resource for how to leverage eccentric versus concentric strength to get a specific outcome. So increase the deficit, increase your eccentric strength, decrease the deficit, decrease your concentric strength. Go to the book, go to the website, learn more about how that might help you in your practice. Highly recommend, buy us though. Realize.me, your command center for all health and data. This is my command center for loading up everything that I'm doing from a training, from an internal metric, from an external metric at one single source location to be able to see it all fit into one big picture. I can make experiments. I can start to challenge the idea or the notion that what I'm doing is always right because I've always done it. I can see what the intervention's effect was and I can see what it wasn't. Also, it'll get you access to discounted labs and discounts on supplements. So it's gonna be a huge platform for you. Go to realize.me, check that out to get access to this powerful website to help you as a coach and trainee to get the most from your training for both yourself and your athletes. Also, get over to strength or go over to phpodcast.com to become a member of the curriculum. If you've just been listening to the podcast, you're getting just a fraction of what we're offering here. Getting a bigger picture, seeing this in written form, visual form, and even getting access to the case studies. This will give a huge benefit to you, the user, so you can get the bigger picture on how this module fits into a larger scheme. It might feel fragmented if you're just listening to the podcast, so get over to the PH Podcast website, become a member, get access to this module, as well as get access to the forum, which is your go-to spot to ask questions. I'll answer directly there. So if I've ever been like, ah, I'm not really gonna answer that, it's because I'm answering on the forum. So go there, check that out, become a member, I promise you, you won't regret it. Without further ado, practical endocrine study. Position and changing someone for the better, we have to start with what is the cause of potentially someone having higher levels than they want body fat. And you got to think about it too. This didn't happen like that. It didn't happen overnight. This wasn't this immediate reaction to having a bad meal or not working out yesterday. It was a long-term overall homeostatic reset point of our transgressions over a period of time. And the feedback loops are going to be have more momentum based off of the more we do things. Right, so the, the biggest one is controlling circadian rhythm that we're gonna talk about. But let's say that we chronically undersleep, we chronically go back, go to bed late and we wake up 
either really late or really early. It doesn't really matter if we're getting not enough quantity and then not enough quality of sleep. You know, what we see is this feedback loop is built into this longer downstream effect of now we're in this cycle. We're in the cycle that we can't break and it becomes harder and harder to get beta cell activation off those cells because it's thinking we're in this set loop that we don't want to break. And on the other end, alpha cells are going to have a higher affinity, right? Where we, we always will have a storage for excess energy in the body when it comes down to fat cells. And it has a hard time to uprooting that momentum. And, but I think it goes into physics, you know, body in motion tends to stay in motion unless acted on upon an outside or equal an opposite force. So if we want to stop this momentum, you got to think less about these micro high intense thresholds of like long-term intermittent fasting or violent droppage of caloric intake, omitting or removing of, of high level, uh, high level macronutrients like carbohydrates or even sometimes proteins, what we see with a lot of different types of diets, you know, it's bigger than that. It's what we repeatedly do. Remember what we talked about in principles. It's specificity is really going to be the reaction to what we do over and over and over again. You know, we are the product of what we repeatedly do. So what we do must be good in the first place. And you think about what's going to have the bigger impact systemically. It's really going to come down to probably lifestyle and habits. And then secondarily, you know, the more of the nuanced things like carbohydrates, fats, and proteins or macronutrient amount and timing, and then overall calories, right? And what, what this will get into another debate, but, you know, as we look at changing someone's body composition, you know, there's this element of what is objective and true. And this is the whole point of this website is to build everything we say off of principles. So we do know that there's a law of thermodynamics that we, if we want to change someone's body composition or body mass, we need to be in a deficit, right? That energy is not created nor destroyed. It's just transferred from one medium to the next. So in order for us to either lose weight or lose body fat, you know, we either need to be in a, a deficit through increase, increase in expenditure or decrease in, in energy or a combination of both. But then it goes into that next level of this idea of fractals and compounding interest, right? This, this micro view of small things that we do repeatedly over again, having a greater systemic outcome. And the same thing with what we talk about training a full range of motion or doing things with good technique that the, the hypothesis of doing a set and rep scheme or a certain exercise with a certain structure or frequency throughout the week or organization throughout the week, means what relatively speaking to the way we did it right the the idea of the technique and the intent has as much to do with the outcome as the actual thought it's this back and forth of intuition combined with objective objectivity and the same thing we said for nutrition right objectively we need to be in a deficit to lose weight whether that's through expenditure or less energy intake we need to objectively look at the macronutrients that we're taking the amount and when we're taking them, relatively speaking to the larger goal. But on the other end, the quality in which we do something, 
right? The, the quality of the food, the quality of the lifestyle, the quality of the habits, you know, creates this epigenetic environment that leads to more from what we need to do. And I hope that resonates because again, the hormones that are responding to this are probably responding to the quality of what we're doing as much as anything to the quantity of what we're doing. And just to be completely frank here, hormones are making up for the transgressions of what we're not doing, right? So if you're eating a diet that's absolutely perfect and it is the right calorie amount, it's the right macronutrient amount, it's the right timing of those calories and macronutrients based off of when you work out, that might come secondarily to if we're not sleeping at enough quantity or getting enough quality from our sleep. If we're not exposing ourselves to natural light at the right times of the day, if we're not managing stress through maybe blockage of toxic foods and toxic substance, or on the other level of, of eating foods that we're potentially mildly allergic to, at the end of the day, what we find is, why would you not go that extra step if it's going to have that much of a systemic impact? that our hormones, whether they're anabolic or catabolic, are gonna be direct response to the things we just mentioned objectively, but probably more so from the things that we're doing on a more qualitative basis. So if we're going the step of wanting to lose weight and we're telling someone to eat a certain caloric intake, why not go the extra step of telling them to have better quality from what they're doing? And what you'll find is that in the same time frame, apples to apples, is we get more from what we're doing. And I would even say that we probably should foundationally set this like hierarchy of needs like Maslow would do from an element of we need to survive, we need to have enough operational capacity, and then we need to get to this next level of transcendence or, you know, feeling connected to the spiritual aspect of what we're doing in that kind of order. Same thing for nutrition, right? Like I would put, you know, hey, this hierarchy of needs of calories and macronutrients as a really foundational piece, but I wouldn't put it above the quality of sleep and hydration and being mindful with what you're eating, just to be completely frank. You know, it's like saying that, oh, we should squat, bench, deadlift, and do pull-ups as our only foundational piece of exercise. Well, if it's crap input, it's going to be crap output. Like those are great exercises, but if they're done improperly or if they're done in the wrong pretense with the wrong tools without any fundamental screen, that we're going to see this systemic outcome. And the thing that I think is so important about what we're going to talk about with feedback loops is this idea of what is the consensus here, right? What is, what is absolutely true? If you're going to go to all of the population you're working with and you ask them, hey, I want you to eat 12 times your body mass and calories. So if I weigh 200 pounds, you're going to have 2,400 calories. I want you to get a gram per pound of protein. And then from there, I want you to get about 75% of your remaining calories coming from fat as opposed to carbohydrates. But I want you to eat a specific amount of carbohydrates post-workout. And I want you to do that every single day. And they're like, yeah, that makes sense. It's really sweet. Thank you for giving me that advice. Can you break it down in a meal plan? Yeah, absolutely. What breakfast is gonna look like at this, what your lunch is going to look like this, or your, po- your peri-workout nutrition is going to look like this, and your dinner is going to look like this, and maybe a bedtime snack will look like this. Make sure you're hitting this target every single day. Is that, is the 
the the recommendation or the intervention better than actually the actual someone being able to consistently apply that. I think this is an important note here because what I see is whenever someone commits to measuring their food or being more conscientious about what they're eating, it makes me think about what is that relatively what is that relative to? Is that a huge upheaval from them not having any conscientious thought of what they're eating and when they're eating it and why they're eating it. If they're just eating whatever's available when it's available versus them going into a very regimented plan and having structure to what they're eating, is it the what or the the actual premise of them doing this in the first place? Being more consistent with what they're eating to me is more valuable than whatever intervention I saw them doing it. So that goes into this next level of, well, if the actual what potentially is secondary to the why, we should focus on the why. And I don't want to get too corny on this one because I think this is something that can go a lot of different ways. But if we're going to take that example I told you before, and then I told you, let's say I go an extreme other one. Let's say that I'm taking, you're losing weight because you're an energy deficit, right? You're working out six days a week. You have a complete deficit in energy. So I'm going to tell you to eat 3,500 calories a day. And on top of it, I'm going to tell you to increase your carbohydrate amount. And I'm going to tell you to do that. And let's say person A, who's an extreme deficit from calories, person B is in a surplus of calories. Person B works out more, person A works out less but they both lose weight. What is the consistent aspect between the two? It's probably compliance. And what I think about compliance, I think about compliance is how do we organize and structure our feedback loops? That's what I think about when I'm thinking about compliance, first and foremost, that there's no uniform example here that we can say that if we just get everyone doing this, we'll be fine. But what is, is if people are compliant and they're doing things that are absolutely unequivocally are true, will probably be successful. Whether it's a energy deficit or a energy expenditure focal point or a combination of the two, compliance will always be the most important thing. And this is where I talk about meet them where they're at. Their feedback loops are sp- are off. If they're coming to see you to change your body comp, their feedback loops aren't working the way we want them to. They are catabolic when they shouldn't be and they're anabolic when they where they don't need to be. And this is a problem. So we have to go back into what is the biggest rate limiter for these catabolic and anabolic hormones. And it goes into the very simple thought process of what time are you going to bed? What time are you waking? When are you exposed to light and when are you exposing yourself to natural, unnatural light, like blue light or screens? And if I can sit there and say that, figure that out early and foremost, right? This, it's the same thing as like when I look at, hey, I'm going to prescribe you an exercise and a program. Our program with exercises sets reps and intensity based off your goals. And I find out you have pain. Okay, well, that rules out a bunch of things I shouldn't do. The same thing here. We are storing body fat in the wrong area, in a high level in these areas based off of our, our gender or our habits and our stress, I start to look at that from, well, if I don't focal point that and fix that first, 
I'm going to have a hard time with any intervention I try to recommend from a caloric, macronutrient, or supplemental perspective. So fix the biggest rate limiting step. And it really always comes down to when do you go to bed? When do you wake? When are you exposed to natural and unnatural light? That sets up the feedback loops. And this should make sense, right? If we look at the traditional cortisol rhythm, right? We look at a high in the morning, low at night. This is all based off of when we start to expose ourselves to potential light. That when we start to wake up in the morning, we need to procure and find energy from our evolutionary stance, right? We, we don't have this built-in evolutionary process yet that we know that food's going to be omnipresent. We're, our bodies are still fighting millions and millions of years of not having food when we first wake. So we need to hunt and gather. And we need to have energy to do that. And that comes from a catabolic hormone, cortisol, released from the adrenals. So the cortisol is released in the morning to give us the available fuel substrates to procure food. That's not changing, or it shouldn't change. It shouldn't have any reason to change. But we find now that food's omnipresent, that we have this potentially disastrous combination. We eat a high glycemic food, meaning that foods are going to have a high amount of very quickly digesting carbohydrates in there or anything, right? Protein can be actually high glycemic as well. But anything that breaks down quickly and gives us immediate energy within the body, high glycemic carbohydrates, simple sugars, monosaccharides, um, protein detached from fat, like whey protein, you'll, you'll see actually has an insulinic or a high glycemic load, that we now start to release another hormone, insulin. And when we start to have this catabolic hormone like cortisol circulating, that's breaking down substrates within the body to help us get energy. And we start to have high circulating levels of insulin. We start to run into this, this paradoxical state that your body doesn't know what to do and it thinks default. Default, 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 start to store excess energy and fat because we don't know if we're going to need this. And then the other level is insulin becomes resistant in the muscle cells because we're thinking we have a surplus of food, so we better store this, right? If I was going to give you a million dollars when you already had a million dollars and you're already making a ton of money on your own, you probably put that in a bank account. You wouldn't just go ahead and burn it. And that's kind of thought process here. It's we have a ton of energy being procured and metabolized from maybe potentially fat cells, maybe muscle cells. And we're trying to use that energy to hunt and gather food, but we have an influx of energy that's quick and creating a rapid spike in insulin. That's going to go into this like almost paradoxical state. We'll block beta cell in the fat cells, we'll upturn alpha cells, and we start to get into this feedback loop that becomes almost negative. And the best thing to do here is to try, try to organize the morning, right? Like go to bed at the same time, wake at the same time, get early morning light. There is a lot of profound level. It's a renaissance for circadian biology right now. It is. It's amazing. But this int intuition about wake up in the morning and just get natural light because you'll feel better. Maybe you ground so you can get a little bit more electromagnetic 
less electromagnetic frequency and then better wavelengths going through your body to get around the natural earth surface to get better actual gravitational forces and magnetic resonance going through your body to help stimulate these positive things throughout your body. And then maybe you go this next level of, I'm going to be conscientious about the foods I eat in the morning to potentially limit insulin release, especially if I have a body compositional problem. And I'm detaching away from people who work out in the morning, people who practice in the morning, because I think there's an important note here that unless there's a direct fundamental need, there's probably not much actual usage of eating a high carbohydrate or a high glycemic load in the morning. I think this is probably why intermittent fasting has taken off so well is because it leads into this intuitive response to I don't need a lot of high circulating insulin unless I'm doing something. So people who do fasted workouts in the morning, I don't necessarily think that's the best idea, but I think it goes into this other level of unless you're training for performance, if you're training for aesthetics, it's really hard to balance to have a really good reason to have carbohydrates in the morning. Now if I'm working with an athlete and they got to practice or train in the morning, I think carbohydrates to get get one diminished glycogen depletion during workouts getting more immediate substrates and performance thing but it's not ideal it's just simply not the feedback loop is going to be off and we hopefully are getting our athletes going to bed earlier and we're timing the carbohydrates a little bit better throughout the day um, but it, it doesn't really work that way we start to create this this feedback loop that has high insulin release blood glucose drops we're hungry a little bit later. And if you're looking to gain weight, it's great. If you're looking to lose weight or lose body fat, it becomes problematic. But then we invert the day and we're looking to diminish unnatural light. This is when cortisol should be at its lowest. And then we go into this next level of when cortisol starts to go low, and there's an amazing stuff going into what we're finding out about when light is brightest through the sun, and we're getting these natural wavelengths of red, orange, green. And we start to look at this next level of, okay, we're feeding in light to our retina. And that's creating these downstream effects at a local tissue metabolism. And we're looking at mitochondria functions better when there's more light around. Uh, when should we time our carbohydrates goes into this Okay, well, when do we have the best opportunity to burn it? But what are we doing when it's usually lightest out? Working, finding foods, doing stuff that's actually going to get us more energy, right? That's the basis for life. It's finding energy to survive, to reproduce. And when do we need to have the best metabolism for high energy substrates is probably when it's most light. When it's dark, we're going into this hibernation focal point where we're trying to build up based off of what we're able to hunt and gather throughout the day, whether it's muscle tissue or fat tissue. When we start to get our exposed to unnatural light, like blue at night through screens, tablets, and phones, is we block melatonin. And now we're not producing melatonin, which is precursory to things like testosterone and growth hormone and even getting leptin rhythm off right leptin's most released at night and what is that telling us is that our fat tissue doesn't know if it's in the storage it doesn't know it should be breaking down to help us have energy in the morning so when we create leptin resistance which is this fuel gauge hormone we run into this big issue of 
wow, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what is the goal anymore. Our feedback loops are off. And this is for me why it's so important to build foundational things before we start to get into the nuance of caloric intake and and macronutrient intake and timing and supplements is what does their sleep schedule look like? What's their day to look like? And that creates this feedback loop that's paramount for long-term success. That creates this, this positive loop that is going to hopefully get us over time out of this negative loop that we built. We can amplify that or compound this stress effect by over-exercising because we are at a body composition and a fat, right? We are in this state of fight or flight constantly and we're taking things like cortisol and start to produce it maybe at the wrong time where we're looking at this inverted morning and night cortisol type of rhythm and we're flipping it to being high at night or potentially just high throughout the or moderately high throughout the day and you go into this adrenals are just now not functioning properly thyroid will not work properly so thyroid stimulating hormone t4 t3 doesn't happen we start to produce more reverse thyroid and then all of a sudden we start to slow down our metabolism and we start to lose this temperature regulation and we start to get into this really big problematic aspect of oh wow wow like we don't have the right hormonal feedback loops and i think this is another big reason why we look at people are just doing so much cold thermogenesis is because it stems from what we're not doing right we're not going to bed early enough and we're not going we're not waking up at the right time to get an adequate enough sleep so we react by fasting to hopefully artificially get these feedback loops in the right direction lowering insulin improving this you know the more catabolic hormone you know the improving lipolysis and and fat breaking down through stuff like glucagon and then we start to induce cold thermogenesis which creates a shiver reflex which starts to produce more potentially brown fat gets more mitochondrial function but it actually stimulates that thyroid to work a little bit better too right if i'm cold my thermostat needs to react to that if i'm in an energy surplus i have plenty of available heat to burn off that the coal engine is filled to the brim so i don't need to i'm always going to be in this hot flight, fight or flight state so I artificially create this thermogenesis response and that creates this yin to the yang, so to speak. The answer though is, are you sleeping enough? You know, are you trying to make up for what you're not doing properly? And I think this is like something that's so challenging from the context of how do we fix people in feedback loops? It's this reactionary approach of fit your macro-based diet or getting calories in. But simple thing we should start with is, are you sleeping enough? And are we creating this, this foundation of, well, what is your cortisol rhythm going to be if you're not sleeping enough? And that's going to be a big rate limiting step and negative feedback loop. And what is your, what is your overall, overall effect from these interventions that, let's be completely frank on, are really hard on a person? Telling someone to completely overhaul their diet and commit to this really challenging paradigm shift that we're asking people to do from eating certain calories and eating certain macronutrients. And I'm not being dismissive of we need to have that intervention in there. Hard training and people committing to 
eating the right things at the right time and the right amounts is paramount for success. But all that is for not if they don't have the simple foundation of what are their lifestyle and habits. That their epigenetic environment is so focused on the, the what, well, the baseline principle of what we need from a hierarchy needs is such a negative feedback loop to begin with. You know, we're, we're basically throwing a thimble of water on a forest fire. You know, let's fix the fire. Where did the fire come from? People are lighting matches in the forest to, to create this barbecue. And that started this massive forest fire. How about we put up signs, don't have, don't have forest fires. You know, like, let's do that. Don't light matches in the, in the middle of the forest during a dry spell. As opposed to, man, let's get better equipment to put these fires out. And that's what I'm talking about in terms of feedback loops is we, we should have these at least bare minimum positive feedback loops before we start to artificially alter some of these feedback loops, right? You can talk about things that are improving the anabolic response to exercise. Insulin and insulin-like growth factor are paramount for downstream effects like mTOR pathways. But that's all secondarily to if we have a lot of high circulating cortisol and that mTOR pathway is going to be blocked because we're insulin resistant and insulin's going to other cells that will take that energy no matter what. That, that we're going to block beta cells in terms of fat cells. We're going to increase alpha cell receptor sensitivity in terms of fat cells. And we're going to store more fat. And the problem goes into this downstream effect of I did all the right things. I had post-workout nutrition. I was eating these calories. I was eating these macronutrients, which was really hard. I struggled to consistently do it. And we all know what the, what the research would say for people who are sleep deprived is their decision-making, their consistency, their commitment goes down tremendously. The psychology of eating is always changed when people are sleep deprived or going through poor sleep cycles. Right? We, we look for comfort and hedonic relationship with food when we are offset from our circadian rhythm. The feedback loop is setting us up into survival. We don't have enough recovery and regeneration from removal of toxins when we sleep, replenishing of glycogen, both liver and muscle, building in pathways of recovery and regeneration. We have to offset that by eating more eating more energy-rich foods, getting more comfort from the foods or having a hedonic relationship with our foods, your compliance will be bad if you're just not simply sleeping enough. And I know everyone's probably going, I get it, we need to sleep. Do you? I routinely see people underslept. I routinely see people not focusing on the right things, going to bed early enough, waking at the same time, getting enough early light. And this comes down to us as coaches and trainers to do this with ourselves. We work in these artificial environments, waking up really early with a lot of blue light. You know, are we going to bed early enough? And I'm talking to you coach out there that's getting up four days a week, five days a week at 4 a.m. to get to work. You're just littered with blue light throughout the day. Are you going home and getting to bed at probably 8 p.m. to prioritize your health? Then what is your answer? Increase caffeine, increase energy rich foods, you know, do things that are very anaerobic in nature because fixing your mitochondria and fixing your actual like efficiency pathways are really challenging, but you don't have that 
focus or that desire to do things consistently on a high enough basis. So as we break down the feedback loops, okay, now we got to start setting up with lifestyle and habits, and then we can go into, hey, high glycemic carbohydrates have a really powerful impact on insulin, insulin-like growth factor. If this person is under a certain body fat, for males typically 10% and females probably under 15%, we want to capitalize on that. There's a huge benefit for higher glycemic carbohydrates post-workout if we can tolerate them well. There's a huge benefit from, from leveraging this very powerful anabolic hormone at the right time based off the right setup. However, if we don't have the right setup and the right feedback loop set up beforehand, we're going to struggle with that. So we need to make that decision of if I can't get the power of, of a high glycemic carbohydrate from maple syrup or things like a carbohydrate-based supplement filled up with single or monosaccharides or simple sugars, then I have to start to go back into well, my best bet is just try to get lifestyle and consistency fixed and give this person some sort of prerequisite amino acids and protein to help them not go through as much catabolic reaction to breaking down all tissues in their body. You know, and I think that's the thing that we start to break down in terms of, wow, like we have to focus on what's the biggest rate limiting step and the biggest factor that's limiting this person to performance. You know, and look at it from an exercise selection. Like, you know, if you're doing things that are really fight or flight and increasing cortisol, you might go into this other level of looking at this this progression from epi, or from dopamine into, I don't want to use this neurotransmitter that's facilitated to you know, brain power and drive. I want to go into this, I need to create more energy and these other catabolic hormones like epinephrine and dopinephrine, uh, norepinephrine. And we look at all dopa's right, dopamine's right, but man, I'm just not sleeping enough. And we start to create these other catabolic hormones to help survive when we should just fix our sleep. And we should be conscientious of, man, maybe that that very high anaerobic stress with really high intensity and a long rest period in between for that person that's just off, that person that doesn't really manage that stress well, that we need to fix that first and foremost before we start to get into whatever I should be doing from anaerobic productive. And it might mean doing a lot of corrective, a lot of mobility, flexibility, a lot of things like zone two cardio, right? This person's just so stressed and so fight or flight. They are producing so much of these stress response hormones at the wrong times, not when we want them, not when we need them, but when it's inconvenient and blocking of the other things that we are limiting the feedback loops that are positive because we're so overwhelmed. Maybe you need to revisit the prescription from what we're doing from an energy expenditure, right? And I'll go back to that original case study of A is going to be in a deficit. They're going to be lower caloric or caloric intake. They're going to lower their carbohydrate versus that person that we're going to be in a surplus because they're energy deprived. But that caveat is they got to exercise a certain amount to be in this, to utilize that but that could lead into this downstream effect. They've already overly stressed and they don't know how to handle that environment. That, that thought process of they're energy deprived, they don't have enough liver glycogen and that's leading to these downstream effects of they're just not functioning the way they should. Well, they could be overly stressed and not really responding to that. And you start seeing things like testosterone go down 
when people are overly stressed, you try to use the testosterone you have to survive as much as you can. And we see testosterone, this powerful androgenic hormone tank. Is it over-exercise or undernourishment? Or both? Or is it you don't have the right platform to do these things well in the first place? That you're neither energy deprived or or over-exercised. You're just not sleeping enough and not drinking enough water and not chewing your food thoroughly and removing yourself from these very stressful situations of screens and over-exercising and stimulating things and uh, whatever other things that are counterproductive. You know, this, this relationship with the world around us is leading to these feedback loops that are predominantly negative. And again, this leads into this downstream effect. The longer we're in something, the harder it is to break that cycle and positive feedback loops and positives relative to the goal, right? A person that wants to gain weight, we need positive feedback loops that are anabolic. Person wants to lose weight, we need positive feedback loops that lead to more catabolic. That end result is we have that person moving towards where they want to go off the simple premise of what is their circadian biology looking like and what is their lifestyle from a stress and and recovery response and then we go into the nuance of lower your calories time your macros count your macros use these supplements and i'll follow it up and remiss to say if you're going that far why not eat organic free range wild caught if you're taking the time to count your calories, weigh your food, time it, doing meal prep, putting it in Tupperware, why wouldn't you at least go the extra step of getting more nutrient-rich foods or getting foods that are not going to become problematic from an allergy perspective or an autoimmunity perspective? Like if we're, we're asking someone to do that much, why not do more, right? And I can do the cliche line here is, well, the question would be is why is an, why is organic free range wild caught pasture raised so expensive? The other question is why is the other stuff so cheap? And we can get into that, but I think the hard truth is this, is that all of that point is mute if we're not basing it off of what is their lifestyle and their environment like? They have the wrong feedback loops before we even start. That we are at a marathon and we're telling that person, back up a mile, you're going to do 27 miles. But we're doing that. Man, what was your time? It was four hours. Wow, that's, that's really slow. Yeah, but I did 27 miles. Why would you do 27 miles? I don't know. Just thought it would be harder. Like, why are we artificially making it harder than we have to? Set your feedback loops up so our hormones are working on a basic level, right? Like, if I want to add strength, I don't want to add it on top of dysfunction. If I want to change body composition, I need to fix the underlying function of the system. And then in terms of scope of practice, suggesting to someone getting their sleep hygiene better, getting their light hygiene better, getting overall stress and management of that stress better, is foundational to, okay, well, we're at this like baseline here from a hormonal perspective. We're producing cortisol when we want to produce it. We're responding or reacting to insulin the way we want to. And then I can really start to titrate and pull on those levers more. Okay, I'm going to tell you to eat this many calories. I'm going to tell you to eat this carbohydrate or this macronutrient at this time. I'm going to tell you to, to take these supplements. You know, we're not throwing chairs off a of Titanic. We're trying to cut the Titanic in half. 
we're trying to increase the Titanic by two. That's what we're thinking about from a bigger macro perspective. So quick recap, we have body types that are going to have a higher, higher potential to store fat in certain areas based off of, based off of our genetic makeup, males, upper body, females, lower body. We have an environment that we placed, we're all placed in high stress, low sleep, very poor response to, to, to what we should be doing from an energy intake and energy expenditure take perspective. We need to fix the baseline thing to see if it's an expenditure problem or an energy, energy intake problem. And then from there, we started to figure out what is the limiting factors from that. Are they sleeping enough? How do I help that? Are they getting enough natural light? How do I help that? Are they, are they getting, uh, do they have a healthy relationship with food? How do I help that? Are they exercising too much and trying to react to their body composition in an unsustainable and unproductive way? Okay, that's how we start the feedback loops in a positive manner. And I'm, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm telling you this from a place where I work with a lot of people, a lot. I mean, a awful lot. And I work with people on various scales, right? So elite level athletes all the way into general pop, moms and dads working full-time jobs, trying to lose weight or gain weight. And I will tell you all of that stuff that we can get into from a metabolism standpoint is just simply fractal down to what is absolutely true. What is universally true on the smallest, most micro scale. And if they wake up in the morning and they have either low cortisol or if they go to bed and they're wired and they can't sleep, everything we want to do from there is going to be obsolete. It's going to be obsolete. Just like if I was going to program a certain pro exercise and I find out after the fact that pain or dysfunction, that program or that exercise is obsolete. We have to figure out the biggest rate limiting step and what these feedback loops of getting us positive momentum in the direction that we want, whether it's anabolic or catabolic before we do anything. A good screen is worth its weight in gold. But a simple question of when do you how much do you sleep and when do you when do you fall bed and go up go to bed makes all the difference in the world in terms of okay we can build up from there and it's a great litmus asking someone to sleep eight hours a night for a week is a great first step to seeing what is their tolerance and their stamina towards something everyone will tell you what they want but when it comes down to doing it, it will be a different story it's easy to say, it's hard to do. So if I'm picking someone who simply can't make any concessions on their sleep hygiene and their routine of when they sleep and asking them to do something like count your calories, weigh your food, time your calories, do meal prep, take supplements, is a big ask. When you get into this feedback of, man, you're just starting to collect a lot of supplements because you haven't you're not seeing the benefit from them because you're not getting anything because you struggle with compliance. Start building up sequentially. And I'm telling you from a big part of the world that we're going to work with, and I tell this to all the coaches that I work with, that if they were capable of doing it on their own, they wouldn't have contacted you. From an athlete to a general population client. Your value then is not about what you can tell them to do in a perfect scenario. It's but what you can get them to do sustainably. 
We're all going to be run off these feedback loops, positive and negative, towards some sort of goal, build or break down. Anabolic, catabolic. You have to start with, if we don't do this, we won't be able to get that. Sleep, mindfulness with eating, being managed or managing your stress appropriately from either an exercise perspective or just a general stress perspective is the foundational piece to setting these hormonal feedback loops and cascading into some sort of positive goal. We'll get to what we need to get to. We have to set up the foundation first. So I hope that makes sense. I I put in the actual uh, notes that we want to look back over Rob Jacobs metabolism podcast. I think this is going to be a really big value add. Uh, We have Trevor Love coming up here next week on interview with a strength coach. Trevor is just a brilliant uh, mind in terms of supplementation and understanding of the endocrine system, but also too, he works with people. He works with a lot of people. He works with a lot of functional medicine doctors. He listens, he hears their problems. So these are really important things to think about as we're building into this narrative. And the end result is just, you know, like I think as you start to work with people, you start to learn really the hard way of, I don't know if what I'm asking this person to do is resonating or changing. It's the right construct or it's the right hypothesis, but the application becomes what they'll do consistently over a longer period of time. And that's a hard thing to break. So start there, build out from there, uh, and then and then start to get a little bit more nuanced. And when you get to the point where you're working with that elite person that you have a lot of control of what they're doing, you have that there in your disposal and understand that on a high level, but not that's very rare. And the realistic thing is if the money's in the money or the, the best opportunity is with people that are either incapable of doing it themselves or don't know what to do themselves. And you have to build it out from there, not the other way around. Appreciate you guys getting on this. Hope this is helping. I hope you guys are, are getting the most out of these foundational principles of nutrition and, and understanding these systems uh, and better practitioners for it. So appreciate you guys and make sure you guys are checking out uh, the case study next week and then Trevor uh, talking about his experience working with the endocrine system.